What's happening? Thanks for joining us. It is John Lund Unleashed, Barry, a sports talk with me. John Lund from KMBR Radio, KMBR 680 in the Bay Area. Of course, weekdays, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. With the voice of the 49ers, Greg Papa. Thank you for joining us, me on this uh, hump day night. We got a ton to talk about. The Warriors finally winning on the road. It was a big one. They did flip that switch. We'll get into that conversation tonight. The 49ers add another edge rusher, but there's still a 10 out there. We'll get into that conversation. How much for Shohei anyway? There's a reason why I'm bringing it up. And the Giants with some encouraging signs today and a 4-0 win over the Bochies. Let's go. What's happening? Thanks for joining us. It is Unleashed. Barry, a sports talk with me, John Lund from KVR Radio in San Francisco. Thank you so much for hanging out with us and chatting with us on a Wednesday night. Remember to please hit that subscribe button. Tell all your friends. Love hanging out with you and talking sports. We have a ton to do tonight. Unleashed, Barry, a sports talk. We do it every single weekday. They do a show. We've been doing lots of live chats lately, and I've been enjoying the hell out of the whole thing. So a lot of good times. Thank you so much. Remember, we're on a podcast as well. So if you're driving around, you need the podcast as well, don't you? Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcast. You can always interact with me any old time at John Lund Radio on Instagram and Twitter. I love answering your questions. Uh, anybody who listens regularly knows you don't have to agree. We can totally disagree with each other and still be friends. It's maybe not the way it works in America, but it certainly does here. I love hearing differing opinions. I certainly don't think I'm right all the time, but uh, I love interacting, love chatting. Let me get a few things on the table, and then I want to jump out there and welcome everybody to the show and start answering some questions. So if you've got something to say, hit me up on the chat. If you're watching a little bit later, just hit, hit us up in the comments section. I always go back and look at the comments. Also, at John Lund Radio, like I said, on Instagram and Twitter. And again, uh, listen to my radio show with Greg Papa, the voice of the 49ers, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. weekdays on KMBR 680 in the Bay Area. KMBR.com, we got a new uh, stream as well, a new app and all those kind of things. And I will tell you that we'll, we'll be adding a video element to things coming up soon, which we've been trying to get for a long time. So you'll be able to see us during the day as well, very shortly. Can't give it away too many details, but, uh, but very, very cool. So let me flash up the uh, the box score from tonight. A great win for the Warriors. And I'm, gonna, I'm not going to say that they can just flip the switch any old time that they want. I mean, uh Kyrie wasn't playing tonight. Luca, uh, I want to get into his antics as well. Uh, the Mavs and Mark Cuban are going to uh, protest this, and, and Cuban just um, put it up. Uh, he just tweeted this out. The basically what happened in the third quarter where you saw that the Warriors get that layup was it was Mavs ball. Then they took a timeout. They switched the call. Cuban said they didn't tell the Mavericks the Warriors got a free layup. It was a two-point game at the end as the Warriors win. And so uh, they're going to protest the game. It's not going to mean anything. It's absolutely ridiculous. So if you want to get into the Mavs, we can. 49ers have a new edge rusher. Some encouraging signs in watching the Giants today that I want to get into. And the Otani number is starting to rise. So we'll get into that because last night on the on the chat, some people were talking about Otani, so we can bring that up. But let's start here with the box from tonight. And as you can see real quickly, uh, the uh, Warriors still gave up the dreaded 15 plus threes. They gave up 17 tonight. Uh, I think Marcus is tracking this, Marcus Thompson, but they did not. It did not end in a loss. I think the big thing is go down there and see where it says points in the paint underneath the box, underneath the uh, score there. Points in the paint. Warriors 66 on 33 of 44. Mavs 54 on 27 of 48. To me, that's the big number of the night. The Warriors, because of the way they shoot, and specifically because of the gravitational pull that we always talk about with Steph Curry, the lanes are open. Uh, they're open for Steph. They're open for Clay. They're open specifically for Kaminga. They're open for everybody because they're so worried about it, and they space the floor so well. 
And I think the Warriors are taking more and more advantage of it. Look at Kaminga there, 9 of 11 for 22 points. He had 12 in the first half, 10 in the second. He played 30 minutes tonight in the most critical game of the season, and hopefully Steve Kerr is starting to trust him because most of the night he was on Luka Doncic. And I know Luka scored 30, but it took him 27 shots and 2 of 10 from the three-point line and 10 free throws to get that 30. That's not very efficient. Now, he did have 17 assists, but if you look at Kaminga, you want to see efficient? 11 shots, 22 points. That's efficient. Steph, 9 of 18, 2 of 8, 20 points, but he did have 13 assists, so not otherworldly. Clay Thompson struggled. He only had 9 tonight, but Draymond Green was very good. Not, you know how Draymond works. It's not just the points. Draymond was effective. Looney's vastly underrated every single night, 12 and 12. We know what that's all about with him. But I thought Kaminga made the difference tonight. He was on Luka a lot of the night, and offensively, he took advantage of the things. He went to the rim, 66 points in the paint for the Warriors. And the other big thing about the Warriors, even though they didn't defend the three-point line at a great level, which has been their problem on the road, down the stretch, they played well, and that's been part of the problem on the road. They just haven't played well down the stretch, which makes you scratch your head. So the first thing that comes to mind, and take a good look at the box score, and I'll take it down here in a second, but the first thing that comes to mind for me for the Warriors is they can do it because we constantly are talking about this. Can they flip a switch? Can they flip a switch? Can they beat Houston on Monday night? I mean, they get credit. It's a W, but they didn't play well, and Houston stinks. They're trying to lose. So they didn't play well that night, and they won. Now, they didn't have Kyrie tonight, but that's a Kyrie problem. Uh, Mark Cuban was sitting two seats away from Kyrie Irving, and I bet under his breath he was like, what the hell, bro? I mean, this is the biggest game of the season for both of these teams. They're trying to stay out of the six hole or out of the seven hole so they don't have to play a play-in. And this greatly enhanced the chances for the Warriors for two reasons. One, you get a W, obviously, and further distance yourself from the Mavericks. But they only played three times this year, so it's you're ahead of the Mavericks right now, and you have the tiebreaker procedure. So if you tie, which it, there's inevitably going to be ties down here because of the standings, and I'll throw them up in just a second, but you got the season series over the Mavericks. It's the very reason they're not going to catch the Suns for the four spot because even if they got up there close, the Suns have the season series. So you've got to topple that team. And I think that one, two, three are already set uh, with Denver, Memphis, and the Kings. Memphis and the Kings fight for two and three. And I'll, again, I'll pop up the standings in a minute. But I just wanted to get your thoughts. And then one more thought on this game, and then I want to come out to some questions. Is it just me? Maybe it's just me. Because, and I don't want to be get off my lawn guy, but it's like, you know, I grew up in the NBA and guys got hit and guys and there was contact and guys just played ball, man, and they didn't turn around to the refs every single time. I mean, Luka Doncic, man. I mean, it's like, dude, every single play. And I don't know if the league has to do something about it. There are other tweaking things constantly in the NFL, Major League Baseball, obviously, at this spring at a very high level. But it's from an aesthetic standpoint of watching a basketball game, enough already, man. Like, they, they've got to do something, and I know Luca's got the 15 technicals, and Jeff Van Gundy, I was watching the ESPN broadcast, and Van Gundy was talking about it with Dave Pash, and Pash was saying how Luke was under control, and Van Gundy's like, what the hell are you talking about? Every single play is complaining. It's just the truth. Like, right over to the officials. They were on offense, and he, he obviously runs the entire offense, and he sat in the corner by the baseline and bitched at the official the entire offensive possession, basically giving up the offensive possession to bitch. And I was watching the game with my wife, and she goes, does that ever help? And I go, hell no. It's human nature. It goes, it's actually the opposite. They're not going to want to help you out if you're constantly bitching and moaning. 
And I subscribe to the Steph Curry th- theory, which is if I got a really bad call, I'm going to come at you because I don't normally do it. So you know when I do, you owe me one. That's how it works. But between, between Luca, who's the worst in the league at it, it's just it's annoying. Like, stop. Between him and Draymond, the whole league does it. But Luka Doncic takes it to a whole nother level, and it's annoying. And of all the tweaks that they continue to do in the NBA, that needs to be one. Like, get off them, man. I don't know why anyone would want to officiate basketball. It's constant complaints. Look, there's, they're gigantic men on a 94-foot court. You're going to run into each, each other every once in a while. Every time you get a feather touch, oh, every, every time somebody breathes on you, it can't be a foul. It stops the rhythm of the game. It's boring. Like, let's go back a little bit and allow more physicality in the league. It's the way it goes, man. Play, play on. When you play outside, you can't call everybody, you know, call your own fouls. You can't do it every time. And if you do, you've played pickup ball. It's like, dude, come on, man. Let's just play. Stop, stop complaining. Let's go. Like, the NBA has got to get to a point where they can allow a little bit more physicality because it's getting to the point where it's a joke. And, and all guys do. Luka does it all the time. He's the modern – he's a new version of Harden. He's just constantly trying to get to the line. And he only got there 10 times tonight. I give it up to the officials. Some of it is because he bitched so much they're probably like, I'm not giving it to you. Knock it off. Anyway, that's a whole side story to the whole thing. But, again, the Warriors get the victory tonight. It is a huge victory. We'll get the standings up in a minute, and we'll get to some other things. And, again, we don't just have to talk Warriors tonight. Great big win, though. Warriors, Niners signing an edge rusher I'll get to, Giants and Watani or anything else you want to talk about, everything is wide open. Uh, let's start it off. Uh, MF says, Cuban is interesting. I, I, I put it up there while the open was running. Uh, I did work in Dallas, and I did work for Mark Cuban. Uh, the best story I have, and you guys will like this one because it involves the Warriors, during the We Believe Warriors season, I had uh, taken the entire station, and this is in Dallas where football is everything, and I had uh, taken the – chance to make all the imaging of the radio station all about the Mavericks, which is in Dallas, which in Texas is just something you don't do, but they had just won 67 games and they're playing the Warriors. And I was like, they're going to win this thing. After game number one and the Warriors won, I called my voice guy and I said, I need all Cowboy stuff back. I need all football stuff back. I said, this, this isn't going to work. They're going to lose this series. They end up losing the series and our guys were all going crazy on Mark Cuban. I'm in my office and I see this guy flash by and I go, was that Cuban? He literally had gotten off his private plane, jumped into his car, had his driver take him over to our radio station because we were tearing apart the Mavericks, and he jumped right on the air. Uh, he had a – where the Mavericks – and I don't know if it's still like this. This is like 15 years ago. But when – where the Mavericks were located, it's a warehouse. And I'm talking with, like, cement floors. And then Cuban's office, if you can call it an office, his large cubicle was right in the middle, and he didn't believe in doors. And so what it was, was a, it was like a cube farm in a warehouse with cement floors. And then if you had a meeting or if you needed to be alone, like there was places you could kind of go off a little bit, but you had to leave the building. I mean, he's just a, he's an interesting guy, man. He's completely passionate. We were talking to the voice of the Mavericks, an old friend of mine, uh, Mark Followell today on our show on KNBR. And I mean, you always know where you stand with Mark Cuban and either he loves you or hates you, but you know where you stand, and he wants to win, and he's a passionate owner, and I respect that part of it for sure. Uh, Jeff, good to see you. Uh, a win is a win. No doubt. I'm not – this is a nice win. I mean, this is a really nice win. Let me point – let me pop up the uh, the standings here. This is a great win, and I'm not – you know, again, I, I'm not great in wins. I didn't think the win the other day against Houston was great, 
But, I mean, this thing, this is a nice win. I don't know where I put the standings thing. We're going to pop it up there. I'll find it in just a second. But, no, this is a great win. And if you look at the standings in the, in the NBA right now to get that kind of a win over uh, the Mavericks, and I have, I have the standings somewhere, and I'll pop them up for just a second for you. They're 38-36 and 36 now in the six hole. So they're a full game over Oklahoma City. But, again, it, nothing's decided. Clippers, 35 losses. Warriors, 36. OKC, 36. Timberwolves get cat back tonight. Carl Anthony Towns, they got 37. Mavs, 37. Jazz, 36. Lakers and Pelicans both have 37. So this thing's not decided. It's just simply to get this win over the Mavericks distances you from them, and you get the season series over them. So it's absolutely huge. Uh, MF, is Blake Sable the next Muncie or Chris Taylor? I was just looking at the box from today, and Mr. Sable again with some more hits. They got to figure him out. Now, I didn't see the game today, so you can tell me. I think tomorrow's game is on TV. Uh, but Blake Sable did play left field tonight or today for the uh, for the Giants. Got a couple more hits, and let me just pop that one up today. Uh, I was just looking at the box score before we came on the air here. Uh, so he played left field tonight, and he went two for three, and he's hitting uh, 361 for spring. I know that doesn't matter, 361 for spring, but I don't care. I mean, look, the guy can hit, and you're always looking for guys. I don't know if he can be Chris Taylor. I see what you're saying with the bat. I don't know that he's that versatile defensively. I mean, he's got a lot of work to do uh, catching, especially now that stealing bases is going to be more and more encouraged. And that's why I think there's there's opportunities uh, for Mr. Johnson in center field. I think he's going to make this team. He's sitting 353 now in the spring. Again, I'm not going to overdo spring numbers, but he adds speed. He's a pretty good defensive center fielder. That would allow them at times to move. Yastrzemski back to right, and I'm constantly harping defense, defense, defense. That's why I like Casey Schmidt so much. Uh, Casey Schmidt didn't get a hit, did score a run, hitting 395 in the spring. But nice game today, and the most encouraging thing to me that comes out of the game today, Ross Stripling, and they're starting to stretch pitchers out as we're getting closer to the uh, opener, as you know, tomorrow, a week from tomorrow in New York. Ross Stripling, four and two-thirds, six hits, four strikeouts. So he's starting to tune it up a little bit. Alexander, Junis, and Rogers all went today which Rodgers went today. Uh, Taylor Rodgers went today. So uh, good news from Ross Stripling. I'm not, I don't know how. We had uh, Sean Benai on this morning on the KMBR show with Papa and I, and I don't know exactly how it's going to go. I mean, obviously, Logan Webb is going to go one. Alex Cobb is going to go two. Uh, I would imagine that Manai would probably go three. Manai is pitching tomorrow. Got to get a lefty in the middle of all that, all that stuff. Then I think probably Stripling would go four and – I'm imagining Alex Wood would go five, maybe Di Sclafani. I mean, it's nice. They've got a deep rotation. They always get hurt, so guys are going to get hurt. But, yeah, look, I think Blake Sable's going to be on the team, MF. I mean, he's a rule five guy, so if you don't keep him, you got to you got to offer him back to the Reds, and that's not happening. Uh, I know for a fact in talking to enough people that they like him, man. They like him a lot. Uh, hi, Johnny. Uh, son to Johnny Lemaster, one of our favorites. Can't wait to see you on opening day. He says, we need to overbid – Overbid. I saw your tweet today. Overbid or pay ten years seven fifty. Um, I did see today. Um, there's a there's a site I go to, and you probably too, do too, called Spot Rack, and they do all the all the contracts for all the professional sports. And they had him at. Let me look up my notes from the show today because I can tell you exactly what they had. I mean, this is crazy, but it it kind of Johnny goes to what you said. Uh, the numbers of for Otani. Let me see if I have it on here. Yeah. This is what SpotRack said today on Otani. As a pitcher, and they do all the numbers, as a pitcher, he would command eight years and $230 million. 
As a hitter, he would command 10 years and $333 million. So let's just call that 10 and what? 563. So let's just say, Johnny, with your, and you're not far off with your valuation to get Otani, there's two things that have to be in place money, and you have to win. There was a great story. Dylan Hernandez, who writes for the LA, uh, LA Times, was on with Tolbert and Copes today. I was driving around running some errands before the Warriors game was on. And he told this amazing story about how Otani, so the first two years when you're in uh, Japan, and Johnny, you probably know this, the first two years that you're in Japan, you, have to, you live in these dorms, much like in a, in a college dorm. You have to do it the first two years that you're in the Japan leagues. And actually, Otani kept living in the dorms because they were, they're close to the field, they're close to the practice facilities, and he thought, well, I don't need to move. This is perfect. I'm right by the facility. And he's actually getting paid a decent amount of money. And his parents became so concerned because he was so not into money that they were taking money and they, were, they, were start, they started an account for him and put $1,000 a month in this account. And it accumulated a great deal of money because he never spent money. Now, remember, he came over to the major leagues when he was 23 years old, so it's not that long ago. This is, I mean, this is just within, you know, what, the last five years? This, this is how he feels about money. And Dylan Hernandez's point from the LA Times, who covers the Angels, and he actually went over to Japan and, and followed Otani around, and he didn't claim to know Otani, but he did talk to his parents and his friends. Money is literally, and I know we hear this all the time, athletes lie through their teeth and go, money's not important. It is important. It's the number one thing. It's not winning, especially early in their career. It's not winning. It's, not, it's taking care of generations of their family, generational wealth, getting the biggest contract. It's number one by a mile, and don't let anybody else tell you anything different because they're lying or they're wrong. So it might be that Otani is just that rare guy that it's not the number one thing because he was saying it's all about his legacy. Dylan Hernandez was saying it's this legacy, legacy, legacy for him, and the problem obviously for him is he doesn't feel like he's going to win with the Angels. The reason why he came over, I don't know if you know this story, the reason why Otani came over at 23 and demanded to come over early, he wants to be in the Hall of Fame. He wants to be a Hall of Famer in Major League Baseball. It's important to him. Legacy is important to him. Winning is important to him. I'm not saying that money isn't because it's important to everybody. But my point is, is that it may not be as important as every guy. You know, Scott Boris is just like, every dime, doesn't matter where you go, we got to get every dime. It doesn't seem that Otani is that way. It's more, legacy is more important Winning is much more important. Look, he's got, I'm sure, endorsement deals in Japan that would blow your mind. And over in the U.S. now, I'm sure he's getting tons and tons of, of endorsement opportunities. Money's not going to be an issue for this guy. But, Johnny, your point is taken. If you're going to try, if you're going to go after Otani and you're the Giants, first of all, you probably got to win 95 games this year because just like this past year, nobody's coming over here for 81 wins. They're not. You know, that, that, the biggest mistake, I said this last night, and it's 100% the truth, the biggest mistake that Farhan made was after winning 107 games, just signing everybody back. And thinking, as smart as he is, that everybody was just going to have that season again. It was an aging, older roster. They got lucky as hell. And it was the time to add then. Look, look at us. We just won 107 games. Now, you did it with smoke and mirrors. But, hell, that was the time to go out and get a bunch of guys and go, look, we're on the upswing. They sat on their hands. That's the wrong thing to do. Uh, what did the Padres do after they they had a great year? They went out, they signed more guys. Hell, they tried to sign Aaron Judge because they know this is a, this is the time. We're a hot commodity now. This is when you cash in. You cash in after you win a bunch of games because now you're pretty sexy. You win 81 games and you go, keep the lights off. I mean, that's just how it works. Anyway, but your point is very well taken. I mean, if 
that says 563. Yeah, 563 for Otani over like 10, 56 a year. If you're the Giants, even if you win 95 next year, you probably have to pay maybe not 750, but probably 650. I mean, you got to blow the market away where Otani goes, eh. But back to my original point, I, I don't think money's the thing. Like, if you even went 650 on, which I don't think the Giants ever would, but just hypothetically, I, and you won 88 games, I think Otani would say, I can't build a legacy here. I can't win multiple World Series here. I can't be on the biggest stage I possibly can be on here. That's what he wants. He wants Hall of Fame. He wants legacy. Money's not the major issue to him. And, and I, if somebody said that to me, I'd say 99% of the time you're lying. But after listening to the, say the interview today and – it was really interesting. Maybe that isn't. Maybe I'm 100% wrong on that. Uh, MF, KMBR will stream the shows. It, it, yeah, right now, and believe me, um, I don't think I'm speaking out of turn here. For years and years, we've wanted them to stream entire shows. I've been on stations my whole career. They stream entire, I mean, we stream the entire shows, but you're talking about podcasting them. And right now, they're just podcasting the interviews. Um, let's just say that without speaking out of turn, that, they're, that those things will change shortly. Uh, Paul, hey, man, good to see you tonight. Uh, for someone who I listened to for years, scold people about how you should know everything about your business, how does he get a free pass for the sexual harassment that happened for years under him? I'm not, uh, let's see, oh, you're talking about Cuban. You know, I, I got to go back. I got to be honest, Paul, especially on a situation like this. I have to go back and refresh how that ended up happening with uh, uh, how that how that whole situation with Cuban ended up ha- um being resolved because I don't know off the top of my head. I cannot remember, and I'm not just saying that. I, I, I don't want to speak at a turn on that one. Um, I do know this, that when I was there, he was a good guy to work for. That's all I can say. I don't know how that got resolved. Uh, it is weird, though, because, like I said, everything in that office when I was working, I, I didn't work in the office. We carried the Mavericks games. I um, led the Mavericks radio network, uh, the affiliates and all those kind of things. I programmed the radio station that the Mavericks run. I wasn't there on a daily basis. I was in separate offices. We'd go down. We'd have meetings, things like that. I wouldn't call Mark and I friends, uh, but I worked for him because I ran the Mavericks radio network. Uh, we need Yannick or Houston at defensive ends. And she, she, hey, kid, what's going on? Uh, thanks for joining us. Let me pop this up. Uh, if we're going to hit up the Warriors a little bit. So Austin Bryant is the guy that they signed today. And let me... Uh, Pop you that up. Austin Bryant, defensive end, Clemson, as you can see. This is his NFL combine. I pulled this up today. That's from the combine, so that's just a few years ago, 2019, fourth-round pick. Uh, in the, like, it was like 115, 117, whatever it was. 6'4", 271, good arm length if you're going to play that game and all that kind of stuff. A 6.20 will eventually be an average starter. Um, he hasn't had great numbers to this point. Uh, he had four and a half sacks in 2021, uh, but he's he's a guy that again you you talk about Chris Kasarek and and he's got the measurables. If you see him, go look him up after we're done here. Austin Bryant, just YouTube him. Uh, he's long. That's the one thing you notice: long arms, long torso, long body, long legs. Definitely athletic. If you see the uh, athleticism score there in the middle from the 19 combine. He was seventh among defensive ends. That's pretty good as far as athleticism is concerned. So, again, not a ton of production outside of the four and a half sacks in 2021. He was on a really good defensive line at Clemson, which, by the way, ironically enough, featured 
Cleveland Furl, who the 49ers, of course, signed. And, you know, he doesn't overly excite me. He wasn't good with the Raiders, and it doesn't have to do with me in the fourth overall pick. He just wasn't very good. And uh, Austin Bryant is a guy who, again, not overly productive, but does have some traits that the 49ers like. So if, uh, if, you, if you're into that, then that's the guy that they signed today. Austin Bryant, that's Tom Pelissero, by the way. Uh, they are signing a one-year deal, blah, 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 blah. So there's Austin Bryant, uh, and he's going to the, uh, to the 49ers. And, again, that's where we are in free agency. A guy like Austin Bryant, and I'm not saying that he can't be good. I'm just saying that if you want to look at free agent defensive linemen, which you asked about, those are the guys that are left. Now J.J. Watts retired. But I do expect, it, in other words, I don't think Austin Bryant is the end-all, be-all here. Of course, they don't pick till the third round. But, I mean, you're looking at some names there that are, are just kind of sitting around waiting, going, wait a minute, I want more than one-year deal. Because I can guarantee you, Frank Clark, Robert Quinn, Yannick Ngakwe, I'm not a clowny guy. Ioannidis was the guy that I thought they would look at because Steve Wilkes had him in Carolina. Shelby Harris was productive last year in Seattle. Ashawn Robinson's a defensive tackle. I like him a lot. Kalias Campbell, I don't know that he fits what they're doing. They're running a wide nine. Is he going to play inside? Probably not. Puna Ford's a guy, again, defensive tackle. Uh, go on down the line there. Justin Houston, he's 34, but he could he come down come in on a third down? Absolutely. So, I mean, if you look at that, Austin Bryant, that's great, but I wonder if the 49ers are kind of sitting back waiting and saying, hey, you know, Will you, Frank Clark, will you, Yannick Ngakwe, will you, Robert Kuhn, will you guys take a one-year deal? Because to me, if you can get one of those guys opposite Nick Bosa, especially on third downs, you can move some guys inside. You know, that's that's a that's a decent list of guys that are kind of sitting around waiting for more than a one-year deal. And the majority on those guy, of those guys on that list probably won't get it. And Ngakwe might. He's only 27, but he's not great against the run. But a guy like Quinn at 32 – I think as a guy that, you know, he's a third down guy, but two years ago he had 18 and a half sacks for the, for the, uh, for the bears. So that's a, you know, that's a pretty good list. I mean, in terms of looking at position groups, as far as free agency is concerned, that's a, uh, that's a position group that has the most talent remaining as far as, as far as anybody. So we'll get back to the uh, Warriors. If you want to hit the Warriors, want to answer some questions on the chat. Thank you so much for joining us, by the way. It is Unleashed, various sports talk with me, John Lund from KMBR Radio in San Francisco. If you're new to the YouTube show, show, thank you very much. Questions, comments up on the chat. Would love to chat with you. Make sure that you're hitting the subscribe button. And, of course, we've got a podcast as well, Apple, Spotify, wherever you get your favorite podcast. In addition to listening to me weekdays, I appreciate it, 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. with the voice of the 49ers, uh, Greg Papa. Uh, let's see. Do, 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 do we need to – yeah, that's what I just read. That one. Desclafani has looked good. MF, I agree. So as far as the rotation is concerned, I, I'm not sure what they're going to do. Uh, like I said, I know one, and, I know what one and two are going to be. Obviously, it's going to be, it's going to be Webb, it's going to be Cobb, and logic would tell me since you got two right-handers right there, you got to put a lefty in there. So either you're going to go Alex Wood, I would think at three, or Manaya. I think Manaya Wood's been actually good, but I, I don't know why I think this. Manaya is going to pitch tomorrow, so maybe that might be for the third spot. We'll see. Uh, we had Manaya in the KNBR show. If you want to go back, KNBR.com and take a listen to it right out of the gate uh, on the show today, like 10.05 this morning. I think Manaya is probably going to be the three. Uh, Ross Stripling pitched well again today. I think Stripling is going to be the four and probably Alex Wood in the five. And then you got three righties, two lefties. And I'm not trying to minimize the, the starters, but we all know. I mean, five, maybe Logan Webb gets a little bit more leash than everybody else, but I mean, these are five-inning guys. And to me, it's going to come down to two things as far as the, the Giants are concerned. 
I think they're going to hit enough. I think their starting pitching is going to be enough. But it comes down to exactly what it came down to last year. They couldn't field the ball. Can they defend well enough? And can the relief pitchers, which are more and more important, and I thought they should have went out and got more arms. I don't mind Taylor Rogers. Uh, Luke Jackson's not going to be ready for a while. Uh, did they do enough in the bullpen? Because you're going to tax your bullpen. You're going to use your bullpen a ton. And last year we were told the bullpen wasn't effective because the defense couldn't catch the ball. And they're going to be better in left field this year, there's no question. And maybe if Bryce Johnson, and, and which then he can play some center, allowing Yastrzemski to move back to right a little bit, maybe they'll be better out there as well. But it, I, I've said this a lot. Uh, I don't think they're going to be better on the infield unless Casey Schmidt's the third baseman. And it doesn't look like he's going to be. It's going to be David Villar. So it, we'll see. And Brandon Crawford's 36. So I'm not overly optimistic about the defense. Uh, Jeffrey says, uh, question is the new KMBR video stream, the Copes cam that we've been hearing about. Is that what uh, – now, Copes used to do a cam when he was doing uh, early mornings, 5 to 6 a.m., the leadoff spot, and he would do a Copes cam. But the cam that – I got to be careful because I don't know how much I can reveal. But, yeah, we're, we'll have a whole – we'll have a whole it – it'll be, I think, more than what the Copes cam was. At least I'm hoping it's going to be. Uh, thanks for asking a tough question. No problem, Paul. It, like I said, I, I'm not avoiding the question whatsoever. I just want to go back and research how that thing was um, how that thing was resolved. But like I said, I wasn't there every single day, but I, I was there enough and worked with them enough to where just my personal experience was, and it did surprise me when all that stuff came out because, honestly, they, you, we went down to a warehouse, a cement floor warehouse, and it was a cube farm. It wasn't like a normal cube farm. It was kind of big. You know, the cubicles were kind of big, and you had meetings, and it was still a cubicle, but it was like a meeting. There were no doors. I mean, there were doors, obviously, to walk in and out, but there was there weren't doors within the big cube. There wasn't like you shut the door and you have this. You have the secret meeting. Secret meetings were not done there. So I, yeah, I was a little bit surprised. I remember uh, when I had heard all that kind of stuff. Uh, kid says, hopefully, Chris Casera can get Austin motivated and produce. Yeah, with me, you know, and, and this is I went back and read because I didn't watch a ton of Austin Bryant with the Lions. I'm not going to lie to you. Uh, I just looked at the numbers. Like I said, in 2021, he had four and a half sacks, and then I just showed you his uh, NFL Combine uh, numbers coming in. I mean, look, he's a really good athlete. He's long. I mean, if you watch him, I mean, he's just one of those long arms, long limbs, long torso, long. He's long, which is, you know, not the greatest sometimes for an edge guy because then your legs are exposed, you're getting knocked down. Um, He wasn't overly productive, but we've also seen guys not be overly productive, and then the 49ers say, okay, Chris, do your best work. And I think when you're limited on the cap, and most teams are at this particular point after they've signed who they want to sign, then what you start doing is, and you know this, you're an NFL fan, you you start getting into this next phase of free agency where it's like, okay, we're going to take flawed guys. And I said this days ago when free agency started. Perfect players don't get to free agency in the NFL. They just don't. I mean, even like when Drew Brees was a free agent, it was because he had a shoulder and the Chargers had taken Phillip Rivers, and so here's Drew Brees rarely gets out there. And they just – they just there's something going on. It's a bloated contract. It's you – know, Aaron Rodgers isn't a free agent. He's getting traded. You know, there's just there's, – there's flaws generally about players when they get to free agency, and so you got to deal with that. Maybe it's an attitude. Maybe they want too much money, whatever the case may be. There's always going to be a flaw. So at this point of free agency, when you're talking about the third or fourth wave – this is a guy that's got some some traits that I think Chris Cassera could work with. Same thing with Cle- Cleveland Farrell. And sometimes what happens is, in the case of Farrell, uh, Fur, Furl, it's Cleveland Furl, um, 
sometimes in that case, hopefully it's just a mental thing. Like he was a fourth overall pick, and and being with the Raiders, hey, there's the guy that was a fourth overall pick. It just becomes a weight on your shoulders. I've talked to guys about it. And then when they're able to leave, it's just, I'm just another guy. You know, just like with James Wiseman going to the Pistons. With the Pistons, he's not the second overall pick of the draft because they didn't take him. He was a guy that they traded for, and they're just saying, go ahead and hit the court. And he's relaxed, and he's playing. You see it all the time. I was in Portland covering the Trailblazers when Jermaine O'Neal got traded to the Pacers. He just never got a chance. He was a 17-year-old kid. He got frustrated. He was behind all these guys like Rasheed Wallace and Arvita Sabonis, and he, he was never going to play. And he went to Indiana. It's like, oh, you know, I wasn't, I'm not a first-round pick here. I'm just some guy. You see it happen all the time. It doesn't mean it's going to happen. It just means there's a, obviously a mental factor that, that is into this whole thing, and sometimes you can just leave another organization, and there's no expectations for him here. So if a guy like Furl come, let's say he comes into the 49ers and gets seven or eight sacks and is solid because, you know, he's, he can be solid against the run. But let's just say he gives you solid against the run, seven, eight sacks. I don't know if he's capable of doing it, but I'm saying what if he did? Well, hell, for the fourth overall pick, he'd go, eh, it's okay. For Furl, who's on a one-year contract for not a whole lot of money, he'd be like, damn. And maybe he's capable of doing that when you look at the kind of defensive line talent that's around him. He's going to get singled all year long. And he wasn't supposed to be the fourth overall pick of the draft, but he was a he was a first rounder, maybe a late first rounder. So maybe that maybe that's the case. But there, my point in saying all that is Austin Bryant, Furl, these kind of guys, they're constantly bringing these guys in because they feel like if Kucera can't perform the magic on it, then the body's dead. You know, you can try to resuscitate all, all you want. It's why they're paying him so much money. Remember, D'Amico Ryan's wanted to make him their defensive coordinator in Houston, and they were like, no, 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 you're not going. Because you're our secret weapon. I just thought. Uh, what's going on, 2-3? Uh, could the 49ers trade uh, for a defensive, a defensive end with all those picks? Say a fifth rounder to the Vikings for Zedarius Smith. Um, I keep hearing, why is it that we're not hearing anything on Zedarius Smith? Because didn't he, like, pen a goodbye to the Vikings? Let me look this up real quick. Because I thought he, like, penned a goodbye. They were going to release him. And then we're not then we're not hearing anything about it. Yeah, I don't know what's going on. I don't. I have no idea what's going on with Zadarius Smith. There's a thing that says Denal Hunter is unlikely to play under his current contract. That'd be good. Let's go get that guy. They're not going to trade him within the uh, within the NFC. Yeah, they got two really good defensive ends. Yeah, I hadn't heard anything with Zadarius Smith after he kind of said he was going to – he was, you know, penning a goodbye and everything – He's a guy I know for a fact that the 49ers have liked for a long time. And, yeah, 16 games last year, and he had double-digit sacks. He had gotten hurt the year before in 2021. Yeah, they, I know for a fact 49ers really like that guy. He's a pain in the butt. 6'4", 272. So, the thing that's great about him is that's that's not just your edge-wide nine guy who's going to – like a Yannick Ngakwe, if you get him under a one-year contract, that's well and good. But he's a wide nine get-after-the-quarterback, which is awesome – but he's not setting an edge for you. Zadarius Smith can do everything. That's a complete defensive end like Bosa is. I'm not saying he's Bosa. I'm saying you don't have to take him off the field. That's a big dude. Uh, what else do we got? Uh, let's see. Question in. Let's see. The video stream. Uh, tough question. Chris Kucerich, uh Trading. Uh, let's see. D Ford. Yeah. Man, D Ford. Oh, that's a painful one, man. D Ford is a painful one to talk about. 
All right, hit me up with your questions, your thoughts, your comments, uh, other things that I have on there to show for you. Oh, let me hit a Warriors thing up for you. I told you I'd give you the standings, and then let me give you something interesting on the Warriors. And if you just joined us in the uh, in the chat, thank you so much for joining us. We appreciate it. Warriors win tonight in Dallas. The biggest thing that comes from it is, does this prove that all of a sudden they can flip a switch on, on, the, uh, on the road? Now, they did give up 17 threes, which is the magical number, but the big thing to me was, 66 points in the paint. They pound the Mavericks inside. I want them to do more of that. Don't just jack threes all the time. Because of the spacing that Curry and Clay provide, and we saw Jonathan Kaminga tonight, led the Warriors with 22 points, played good enough defense on Luka. He pounded it inside. That floor is wide open. Take it to the rack. Everyone's always complaining. The Warriors never get the pit, get the calls, you know, because they're jacking up shots. Go to the rim. Put the pressure on the officials. Uh, there's the standings after tonight. As you can see, the Warriors now at 38 and 36. So they put themselves right behind the Clippers, which I don't love that position. By the way, I love the six, not the five. I'll tell you why in a second. How about the Thunder, man? Eight and two in their last 10? That's ridiculous. They might make the playoffs. But again, look at this. Warriors 36. OKC 36. Uh, Timberwolves 37. Mavs 37. Jazz 36. Lakers 37. Pelicans 37. I mean, who the hell knows? We have eight games left in the season, and the Warriors could be six all the way to out of the playoffs. It's insane. Where they are right now, if we want to start playing this game, where they are right now is where they need to be because six get, takes you out of the playing game, which you don't want any part of, and the three right now is the Kings. I take that matchup in the first round. Uh, if you were to win that one, and I know Kings fans all do respect, absolutely positively, great season, but if you beat the Kings in the first round, then you're staying out of that 1-4 matchup, and you probably play the Grizzlies in the second round, which is great because then there's that big rivalry. That's what we all want to see because what's going to happen is if you go up to the 5, then that's 4-5, and you're on the collision course with Suns in the first round, Nuggets in the, in the next. You don't want that. So stay out, of the four, stay out of the 4 matchup because, A, the Suns are going to get Kevin Durant back, and that's probably the best team in the West if Durant can fold himself into that team, which I think he can. And if you stay in that 6-3, and remember, the NBA doesn't recede. Once you're in a bracket, you're in a bracket. So you're in the opposite bracket of the Suns and the Nuggets if you stay in the 6, and your first-round uh, opponent is the Kings rather than the Suns. And again, do all due respect to the Kings. Love the season they're having. Awesome. Happy for their fans. I'd much rather play the Kings in the first round than the Suns with Kevin Durant. And then let me flash one more thing for you because I think this is interesting. This is 538. Don't know if you ever go to 538, but this is pretty cool. So this is the projection that 538 has. And as you can see with my squiggly yellow line there, which is not very well done, they are projecting the Warriors to be 43 and 39, a 90% chance of making the playoffs, which I don't know how you can get to 90% because things right now, as I just showed you in the standings, uh, fluid to say the least. But look at that. Chance of making the finals, 15%. Chance of winning the finals, 6%. Now, that's not great. But given the fact that they can't win on the road and all the other issues they have this year, that's not bad. And that's in order of championship uh, contending percentage. So the Bucks at one. And look at this. We've talked about it for years that the, that the Western Conference is, bet, you know, ah, they're killing the East. The best three teams in the NBA, and this is the truth, 538 has it as the Bucks, the Celtics, and the 76ers. And that's absolutely the truth. Those are the three best teams. Then in the West, then, then it's Nuggets, Grizzlies, Warriors. So they, they say the Warriors have the third best chance to win the West. 
Uh, I would, again, if it was a healthy Durant, I'd move the Suns up. I'd move the Grizzlies down. I think the three best in the West are the Nuggets, they've earned it, the Suns, if they get Durant back, and the Warriors, because they have the experience. And again, I'm open to you saying, are you insane? But that's 538, so that's kind of a cool thing to check out. I think it's 538.com. Uh, it's free, but that's pretty cool. And they do all the projections. You can even go into 538, and you can go uh, game by game, and so you can tell you, your percentages will go up, down, based on you know whether you want to look at it and you want to look at the um, look at the percentages and those kind of things. So that's kind of a cool deal that uh, they put together if you don't haven't watched that. And again, let me go back over the Warriors. If you just joined the live chat, we appreciate it. Thank you very much. There's the box score from tonight as the Warriors win at 127-125. Things that jump out. Jonathan Kaminga scoring the 22, but it's how he scored the 22. Uh, as you can see there, he did go two of three from three-point land. That's nice, but go down to points in the paint, which is down below the box score, 66-54 on 33 of 44. It was obviously a concerted effort for the Warriors tonight. Did not just jack threes. They threw up 40, uh, or they threw up 39, go 12 of 39, but if that was just what they were going to do all night long, they were going to lose. Uh, they always lose on the line, 20 to 15 outscored on the line. They were 15 to 18, but they made a concerted effort to get to the rim, to get to, you know, to get inside the paint. And the, the floor is always wide open when Clay and Steph are out there and Jordan Poole is out there, and they took advantage of it. And more so, Jonathan Kaminga did a great job, very efficient, 11 shots to score 22 points. And he's the player of the game because Luka, who played 41 minutes, it took him 27 shots to score 30 points. Now, he was good. He was 30 points, 17 assists when he wasn't bitching every other second at officials. Uh, only 2 of 10 from three-point land and only went 6 of 10 from the line. So 30 points on 27 shots for Luka. Kaminga, 11 shots, 22 points. So Kaminga was on Luka most of the night, and offensively he was the one that really took advantage of uh, getting inside. Also getting off the bench, obviously, uh, Jordan Poole, efficient, didn't hit a three, but 6-13, he had 16 points. Got to get a little bit more from him as well. Anthony Lamb had a couple of moments in the game as well, and uh, Jermichael Green pops in uh, nine as well. And again, Steph Curry didn't take a – he didn't need to be Superman tonight. 9-18, 2 of 8, did have 13 assists and 20 points. He was good, not great. Clay really couldn't find the range, didn't take a ton of shots. He had nine points. Looney is massively underrated, 12-12 and 12 tonight. And Draymond Green was very good tonight as well. At 14, that's not normally the, uh, you know, that's not how you gauge how Draymond Green does, but a nice game by Draymond Green. And again, just to hit up the the standings as far as that goes, uh, it's very, very good situation to have uh, the Warriors get that win tonight again because you can see 38 and 36. If they could stay in that six hole, that's really where you want to be. Take on the Kings in the first round, avoid the Suns in the first round, avoid that side of the bracket with the Suns and the Nuggets, and the most important thing beyond the win is now 2-1 season series over Dallas, who then drops all the way to 9. Isn't that wild? And if you look at the Western Conference, too, I mean, this is the reason why the games are so close. But you look at the Grizzlies at number 2, or the Sanders are so close. The Grizz at number 2, they get John Morant back tonight. The Suns are still waiting in the 4-hole for Kevin Durant. The Clippers, 2-3 to three weeks. Paul George, it was announced today by Adrian Wojnarowski, that he's going to be reevaluated, Paul George, in two to three weeks. Uh, we still don't know with the Warriors what's happening with uh, Andrew Wiggins, Gary, uh, Gary, GP2. Uh, we're going to find out tomorrow. They're going, to, they're going to announce something as far as what his progress is. So tomorrow's a big day for the Warriors. The Timberwolves get Cat back tonight. 
uh, Carl Anthony Towns. The Mavericks had Kyrie out tonight, and Luka is still banged up. They're dealing with injury issues. The Lakers are playing the Suns right now, and they don't have LeBron still. And then the Pelicans sitting down there, and they're still in it, and they don't have Zion. So, I mean, look at the Western Conference. Outside of the Nuggets, Kings, is that the only team without some injury issues? Maybe the Thunder. I mean, Chet Holmgren's been gone all season long, but, you know, he's not coming back this year. But, I mean, every team that we're talking about here outside of those teams, there's a major injury. Phoenix with Durant, Clippers with Paul George, uh, Wiggins situation plus GP2, Cat coming back, uh, Kyrie not playing tonight, uh, the Lakers without LeBron, the Pelicans without Zion. I mean, that's the league nowadays. But nice win for the Warriors tonight against the Mavericks. Any more thoughts, questions, comments, and we can hit up on anything. You want to hit up on the... Uh, the 49ers, I still think they need an edge guy. Right tackle is going to be something interesting to watch. One name that I continue to bring up for the 49ers, Isaiah Wynn. I don't know. I, I got to look into what his uh, injury status is. I'm going to text a friend in New England because he's 26 years old, and when he's healthy, he's pretty good. He must not be healthy because that's a guy that I would have thought they would have looked into. Anyway, and still a lot of edge rushers out there, as I showed you, or as I uh, told you before when we got into it. Uh, why didn't the Warriors pick up anyone in the buyout market like Serge Ibaka? He's sitting at home. Um, I think, you know, we always talk about Joe Lakeup and how finances and, you know, they're not a hit, they're not a hit, they're not a hit, but they are. And Steve Kerr answered this question, I think, weeks ago. He feels like if they weren't going to use somebody, they're not just going to put somebody on the roster to put them on the roster because because they're in the luxury tax threshold that whatever that money is is, like, tripled. And so they're just not going to throw somebody on to throw somebody on. But to your point, uh, G23, to your point, they need size. And, look, I'm, I'm not going to go back over the Wiseman trade. It's already a bad trade. I said it from day one. He's 21 years old. He played in three college games. You had to have more time. You just needed to put him in the refrigerator and put him at the back so that you weren't tempted to trade him. Like, he's just – we're not going to – like, do not touch. Do not trade. Do not break glass. Do not do not anything. He's not going to help you, but in two, three years, he's going to be a monster. And we're seeing that with Detroit. He's still inconsistent, but he had the game of his life, the best game of his career a couple of nights ago, and he looked like a monster. And those are going to become more consistent. He's going to be a really good player. But um, So they traded him. It's it's done. It's over. Every time I bring it up, I say I'm not going to get worked up over it. And I'm not worked up. It's not my team, but it, it's just like how short-sighted can you be? It's ridiculous. But your point is is that when you get to the playoffs, there, I, I, I forget the game, but it was two or three games ago, and they got beat on the offensive glass, 27 to 11 in points. And they don't have anybody. I mean, they, they honestly don't have anybody who they can put in a game and not Looney and not, you know, Kaminga and not Draymond and not Demichael uh, Green and not nobody. They can't guard a Jokic. They can't guard an Embiid. You know, like they're coming home to play Joel Embiid. And to me, Joel Embiid is the MVP in the league, and he's making a final push to this thing. And I think he's going to be the MVP. He's the most dominant big man in our league. And I'm not taking anything away from Jokic. Jokic plays a different style. It doesn't lend itself to dominance. When you look at the end, he's got a triple-double and he kicked your ass. But Joel Embiid's going to take it right at you, especially, small, especially a smaller team. You know, Memphis can take it at you with, with waves of big players. And the Warriors, the biggest thing, the biggest issue that they have other than road where they don't defend the three-point line and a lot of times finish out games, which they did finish out tonight's game, but it's they, they just have a lack of size. And teams that can throw size and, and beef at the Warriors are going to give them a ton of trouble. Now, was there somebody in the buyout market that was going to, and this was Steve Kerr's point, was there somebody in the buyout market 
that was going to be like, hey, I mean, you mentioned Serge Ibaka. I don't know how much Serge Ibaka has left. I mean, could he help in spurts? I suppose, but I think the question you have to ask yourself, and I would as a general manager of any NBA team at this point, if I needed help at a specific position, ask yourself the one simple question. Is this the guy, the difference between winning a championship or winning a series and not? So the, I don't know, eight minutes, six, eight minutes that Serge Ibaka would play at this point of the season for the Warriors and into the playoffs, are those going to be the minutes that are going to decide whether you win a series or a championship? Likely not, but your point is well taken. I mean, if you're if you're getting absolutely crushed, I mean, is he going to guard Joel Embiid? Probably not, not at this point of his career. And that was what the Warriors decided was that's there's not a guy out there that would make that big of a difference. I'll always go back to, and I understand Wiseman can't do it at this point of his career at 21 years old. He he, he couldn't stop Joel Embiid either. Now in two or three or four years, that's going to be a different story. But right now he couldn't. And they felt like somebody on the buyout market couldn't give them that ability. Um, so, all right, we'll see. All right, is that it? Awesome. Thanks for hanging out. I always love hanging out with everybody tonight and uh, having a great time. Any more questions, comments, if I didn't get to, I apologize. Thank you, everybody, for coming out tonight. As always, Paul and Jeffrey at G23. And I know there's a bunch of other guys. Johnny was out here tonight. Let me go. Let me scroll up to the top as well to make sure that I give it. MF, kid. Uh, who else came out tonight? Really appreciate it. Uh, I know there were some other guys who came out. that I, Who did I miss? Anyway, thanks for coming out tonight. I really appreciate it. We'll be back tomorrow as well. KNBR, I guess I haven't gotten the guest list in it uh, for tomorrow's show, full show tomorrow. Let me double check. Let me see if i got a guest list for tomorrow because if I do, I want to make sure that I get it to you. No, I don't have a guest list for tomorrow. All right. Thursday edition of the show. So make sure you tune in tomorrow from 10 a.m. to 2 p.m. on our show on KNBR with the voice of the 49ers and I. Of course, Greg Papa will be with us. Thank you so much for hanging out on the YouTube channel as well. Make sure you subscribe. Tell all your friends. We I appreciate it so much. And, of course, on the podcast as well. Wherever you get your favorite podcast, Apple, Spotify, we podcast the show as well. So make sure you subscribe there as well. It is John Lund from KNBR Radio in San Francisco. And it is Unleashed Various Sports Talk with me, John Lund, only on the Locked On Podcast Network.